we get into today's message, I need to go back to Luke 15. I cannot get away from Luke 15. Because in verse 1 it says, Then drew near all the publicans and sinners to hear him. They couldn't wait to hear him, and they weren't uncomfortable being around him. But the people that were uncomfortable being around him are in verse 2, the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Well, this is true. The, the religion hates seeing anybody get set free oh, yeah. because they worked so hard. They, they tried so hard to be right. And you can't be right, so stop trying. It's kind of like in Romans 12, 1. It says, I, 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 I beseech you by the mercies of God, not the wrath of God, the mercies of God. Romans 2.4 says, it is the goodness of God that leads a man to repent. So somehow religion has flipped it. But anyway, when I started reading through this again, I've been reading it almost daily. I came to the place where it says that the lamb wandered out of the way and he went and searched for the lamb and found it, right? But he didn't go looking for the prodigal. The prodigal had to find himself. No one could do it for him. He had to come to the end of himself. But then there's another story in the middle here uh, about a coin. Verse 8. Either what woman having ten pieces of silver, if she loses one, does not light a candle, that's the type of the Holy Ghost, and sweep the house and seek diligently until she found it. And when she had found it, she called all of her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I found the piece that was lost. Now, the takeaway from that is the coin was still in the house. It was just out of circulation. And it got out of circulation because you can be sitting here today and still be lost. You know, you, you, you've got a relationship with God, but somehow you just feel like you've been rejected, that you've been lost and alone. And he put this story in here to let you know that he's looking for you and his plan is to restore you. And then, but, but see, you don't miss the, the main point here, a big celebration right. when, you, when, when he gets, not like, what's wrong with you? You're even sitting and see, what I like about Bob and Diane's church is the name Father's House. Because here in the Father's House, everything was there. There was a famine in the land, but there was no shortage in Father's House. You know, so when you're in Father's House, when you're in, yes, we've been through a pandemic and all of, the, all of that, but when you're in Father's House, all your provision is still there. And so, you know, if you wandered out of the way, wander back. <laughs> And if you've been the prodigal running in the wrong direction, no problem. Just come on back and he'll kill the fatted calf and put some shoes on your feet. Amen. Praise God. Okay, so now let's go to Romans chapter. Um, I think we're going to start in chapter 11. I know we didn't finish chapter 8, but I think we hit key points there. In chapter 8, and verse 31, it says, What shall we say to these things? All of these things of God before us who can be against us. And then he talked about what shall separate us from the love of God. He talked about praying in other tongues in Romans 8, 26. Then, then, he, then he talked about what shall 
or who shall, what shall separate us from the love of God. And he lists everything that you can think of. And then he says, nothing will separate you from God's love. Everybody say, nothing will separate me from God's love. Amen. And in all things, you're more than a conqueror. Well, the conqueror does the fighting. More than a conqueror is the one that reaps the benefits. He said, in all things, we're more than a conqueror through him who loved us. Then we get Romans 9, 10, and 11. It's a lot to do with the Jews. And really, you can almost jump to Romans chapter 11, the tail end of that, in chapter 12, to stay in the flow with Romans chapter 8. So that's what we're going to do today. I'm going to begin in verse uh, 29. It says, 11:29, For the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. So, in other words, you may change your mind about him, but, but he's not ever going to change his mind about you. If you had a call of God on your life and you got, you're the lost coin in the house, the call is still there. <laughs> if you're the sheep that wandered out of the way, the call is still there. If you're the prodigal, then you make your way home, right? <laughs> right? He says, and then in that verse 30, he said, For as you, as you in times past have not believed God, yet have now obtained mercy through the Jews' unbelief. Even so have these also now not believed that through your mercy they may obtain mercy. For God has concluded them all in unbelief that he might have mercy upon them all. But again, this reminds me of Peter 2.9. You know, your job now is uh, you're a royal priesthood and a chosen generation to show forth the praises of him that called you out of the dark and into his glorious light. So your job, my job now, is not judgment. Your job and my job now is to show the mercies of God to those that don't know him. Say amen to that. Even so, again, verse 31, even so these also that have not believed that through your mercy they also may obtain mercy. For God has concluded them all in unbelief that he might have mercy upon all, not judgment, mercy. And oh, the depths of the riches of both the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways are past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him or be his counselor? Or who has given unto him that he shall be recompensed to him again? For of him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory of God forever. And then it rolls into chapter 12. But when you see the therefore, you know that it's just a continuation of what we just read in chapter 11. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto him, which is your reasonable service. Well, what I found about submitting my body unto him is sometimes the sacrifice crawls, crawls off the altar. <laughs> which, is, which really means to me that this is a daily, I think Paul the Apostle said, I die daily. There's something that I have to do daily, and this is it. I have to stay on the altar of God. Let's go to Exodus chapter 21. Uh, chapter 21 and verse 1. Now these are the judgments which you, which you shall set before them. 
if you buy a Hebrew servant, now what, ha- what would happen is if you owed a debt and you couldn't pay it, you'd, ha- you'd have to become a man's servant until the debt was paid or until you reached the sixth year. So if you buy a Hebrew servant, six years he shall serve you, and in the seventh he shall go out free for, and for nothing. In other words, nothing held against him. But if he comes in by, if he came in by himself, he will go out by himself. If he were married, then shall his wife shall go out with him. If the master, thank you, God, you're my master. If the master has given him a wife, Nancy, and she's born sons and daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out by himself. And if the servant shall plainly say, this is the part I like, I love my master, I love my wife, and I love my children, I will not go free. In other words, more than doing my own thing, I love my master, I love my wife, and I love my children. They are first for me. And so this is what he's saying. So I don't want to go free if I have to leave my master if I have to leave my wife, if I have to leave my children. There's another story in the book of Exodus regarding this same thing, but we won't go there right now. It says, Then his master shall bring him unto the judges, and he shall take him to the door, and unto the door post. And there his master, this is the first pierced ear, <laughs> right? You're going to take him to the door of the house, and you're going to take a spike and whack it through his ear, and bore his through with them all, and he will serve you forever. So in other words, what he's saying here is, here the son is set free, is free indeed, but when you read Paul's letters, he'll call himself a bondservant or a slave of Jesus Christ. He was free, and he put himself, what he was saying was, I love my master more than my freedom. And so I'm going to serve him. I'm going to submit my body unto him, a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto him. It's just my reasonable service, right? Hallelujah. Amen. Well, let's go to Revelation chapter 3 and see where this appears again. Revelation 3 and verse 7. And to the angel that the church of Philadelphia, and to the angel at the church, the angel is the pastor, by the way. The angel is the messenger. If you look up the word, it's messenger. And to the pastor of the church in Philadelphia, to the chap pastor of the church at New Covenant Ministries Church, write these things. This saith he that is holy and he that is true. He that has the keys to David and that opens up a door and no man can shut and shuts a door that no man can open. I know your works, and I've set before you the open door. In other words, are you ready to love your master, love your wife, love your children more than anything in this world? Because the world's always there calling you. But the primary thing, like the, like the major thing in your life, is, is loving your master, right? And so he says here, I know your works. Behold, I've set before you an open door, and no man can shut it. You've got a little strength and have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make them that are of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, 
but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. Because you have kept the word of my patience, I will also, this is good, because you have kept the word of my patience, I will also keep you from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try those that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly and hold fast to what you have. Right. So now we'll go back to Romans chapter 12. Continue on there. In verse 1 again, he says, I beseech you, brethren. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, because of the mercy that you received when the Jews got locked out, because of the mercy that God gave you, I beseech you by the mercies of God. And again, I like to point out, not the wrath of God. It's the goodness of God that causes men to repent. People get this idea. We're talking about love on on Facebook and in other, other streams now, and people are saying, if you keep preaching love, people won't serve God because they they can get away with it. If that's how you think, you don't understand the love of God. When you understand the love of God, you just want to do what pleases Him, not because you have to. Well, with that in mind, okay, okay. This could be everywhere preaching the gospel. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 for a moment. We'll come back here in a second. Uh, chapter 10 and verse 3. Are you there? 2 Corinthians 10, 3. Are you there? Are you there, Nancy? Okay. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war in the flesh. Okay? So it's not a physical thing, right? For the weapons of our warfare are not natural or carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Everybody says, what's a stronghold? It's anything that has a stronghold on you. But look at this next verse. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You're focused on his obedience what he did. So so when you read this, lots of times people read this and say, well, now I got to cast down. The, the imagination that you cast down is the one that comes, comes against his obedience and puts you back into works, puts you back into, I've got to do this and I have to do that and I got to pull down these strongholds. The, the way that you pull down the stronghold is you think about what he did. When you think about what he did, you're You're done. When I think it's the obedience of Christ, it didn't say the obedience of you. It says, bring yourself into uh, the obedience of Christ and have the readiness to avenge all disobedience. So again, anything that pulls me away from the obedience of Christ is another religious act. Now I'm going to struggle to pull down strongholds. And I'm, now, what do I do about a stronghold? When a stronghold is built there, what I do is I remind myself, hallelujah, himself bore my sickness, carried my pain. The chastisement of my peace was laid upon him by his stripes I'm healed. He, God, made him to be sin who know no sin for us, that we'd be made the righteousness of God in him. Amen? Amen. It's, it's, that's how you pull down any stronghold. A stronghold is just another religious hold on your mind. So we walk in the flesh, but we don't war after the flesh. Amen. Hallelujah. We have a readiness to avenge all disobedience. 
when our obedience is fulfilled. Meanwhile, back in Romans chapter 12. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, and it's just your reasonable service. I'm a living sacrifice crawling off the altar. Now, don't tell me that any of you have not ever crawled off the altar. This is something, this is something that has to be done every single day. Every single day I, I have to recommit my life to serving him. And sometimes I'll make it an hour or two. Sometimes you make it through the whole day. But you never ever get condemned. You never ever get out of that place of the obedience of Christ. Holy acceptable unto him is your reasonable service. Another translation says this, and so dear sisters, present your bodies unto God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person. Then you will learn how to do know God's will for you. I mean, Isaiah 26, 3 says, that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him. So if something is disturbing your peace, lock your mind back in on him. Lock your mind back in on what he did at Calvary. Lock your mind back in and remember, Isaiah 53 is his crucifixion, but Isaiah 54 is his resurrection. And he's telling you that the children of the desolate will be more than those of the married wife. Enlarge your tent. Stretch forth the curtains of your habitations. In other words, get ready for growth. Get ready that God will be with you in 2022, that God has a plan for you in 2022. And it's better than your plan. How do I know that? Because Romans 12, 2 says that I'm not to be conformed to this world. He's got a better plan for my life. He's got a better plan for your life. Hallelujah. A better plan than what you have. Some of you all are single and you're thinking, if I could only get married. Some of you are married and thinking, oh, if I could only get single. Yeah. The truth is, it's in your heart, see? The contentment. Again, it's Romans 14, 17. His kingdom is not a physical thing. You can't touch it, smell it, feel it, taste it. But it's righteousness. Just being right with God produces peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. Those are choices that we, to be led from the inside out and not to be led from the outside in. And from the outside in, I'm always trying to change things. We're trying to change our appearance. We're trying to, you know, do all of those goofy things that people got going in their lives. Hallelujah. It's not like that. It doesn't have to be like that. Amen. So it's your reasonable service. Verse 2 of Romans 12 says, Don't be conformed to this world, but transformed by renewing your mind by the word of God. That you can prove, and it's progressive. Some people say it isn't, but it's progressive. How many of you know it's progressive? 
He proved the good, the, accept, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God for your life. You do. You prove the good. You, you, you work it until it works for you, the good and the acceptable and the perfect will of God for your life. And you're not conformed to this world, and you're not being informed by the media. See, because what you need to know is your emotions, energy and motion, only come from two places, fear or love. And right now the world is drowning in fear. And what they really need is love. And because, but fear has been a monster on the earth right now. But but the good news about that is God is about to move in his glories. You, You think you haven't seen, I'm just wanting to encourage you today that he has a mighty plan for your life. Jeremiah 29, 11 is still true. I know the thoughts that I hold to you. Toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of good and not evil, to bring you a hope and a future and bring you to a great finish. The church is going to finish in victory. Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph in Christ. Amen. So expect, no, but expect, you need to get your expectation up. And again, don't base it on, well, I let the Lord down. No, he, he never sees you. The only way that the Lord ever sees you, the only way that the Lord ever sees you is in the blood of Jesus. That's how he sees you. He sees you according to Colossians 2, 9 and 10. He's the head of all principality and power, and you are complete in him. He sees you complete in him. He sees you complete, finished in him. Your spirit man is finished and now we're renewing our minds by the word of God. To what? To, to focus on the fact that we've been finished, that we're complete in him. That it's not based on my performance anymore. Not that it ever was. <laughs> but you can try, you can try. Paul the Apostle said, I tried so hard. He said, concerning the law, I was blameless. Well, I'm thinking I know he didn't keep all 613 laws. So I have no idea what he meant about that. <laughs> Maybe he thought that he was that good. I don't know. But again, he had to get knocked off his donkey. He had to be humbled in order to be exalted. Amen. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he'll exalt you in due time by casting all of your cares upon him, knowing that he cares for you. Amen. Amen. Be not conformed to this world. Amen. Don't be conformed or informed by this world. Don't be informed by the social media, but be transformed. And it's the word metamorpho, where we get metamorphosis. So that's something that tells me it's happening on the inside right now. There's something in the inside of me that's going to show up on the outside because I read Romans eight nineteen. all of creation is waiting for a manifestation, standing on tiptoes waiting for a manifestation of the sons of God. Even the creatures crying out because the lion was never meant to eat the lamb. When you read Isaiah 65, you find out that they all eat grass together, that originally they didn't bite and devour one another. That was all a part of the fall. Sometimes I think about what it must have been like for Adam. Everything's going good until he went sour. And then now he's hiding. He's in fear. He's in condemnation everything that we're not supposed to feel, he's experiencing fear and condemnation. And now he's hiding. He camouflaged himself 
nice camouflage suit, and uh, he's he's sitting there. And then God says, hey, Adam, where are you? Knowing exactly where he was, right? And then, then the next thing that he's seeing is now he's got two sons, two twins, Cain and Abel. And Cain kills Abel. And there's no law at that time, so Cain couldn't be put to death himself. But the, the law was coming so that there would be law and order on the world, in the world. But then all of the animals started biting and devouring one another and going crazy. Like it must have been. It must have been awful for him, especially to know that, that he, you did it. <laughs> you caused all this. So, so I encourage you to stay on the altar here, according to twelve one. Be a living sacrifice, and and don't be conformed, but transformed by renewing your mind. In other words, the metamorphosis that takes place is in your mind. You're studying the Word of God, and I know that it takes 72 hours to read the Bible from cover to cover. So you do have time. You definitely have time to get into the Word. And it's got to be, and why it, Why does it need to be a daily thing? Because give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. Give us, give us our bread today. He'll give you bread. He said, I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. He said, I want to lay some bread on you all the time, every day, so that you won't be conformed to this world, but transformed. Renew your mind and grow from good to acceptable to the perfect will of God. Verse 3, for I say, through the grace that's given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has given unto every man. You need to see this next part. The measure of faith. So when he's saying unto you, don't don't think more highly of yourself, he's not saying saying put yourself down and think lowly either. He's saying, I want to remind you that I gave every man the measure of faith. Peter said it this way. He said, those of you that have been given like precious faith, the faith that Peter used to walk on the water, the faith that Peter used to stand up in front of thousands of people preach the gospel just a few days after he denied the Lord three times. That's the faith that you have. You've been given the measure of faith, not a measure, not Pastor Paul gets a little bit and Pastor Gary gets a little bit and you get a little. No, it's the measure. It's like you've been given all the muscles to operate in the kingdom or to operate in it. For example, in a gym, like I looked at, I looked and I haven't been in the gym in like six or eight months and my legs are getting skinny and I'm panic stricken. <laughs> but I know that I have muscle memory and that when I get back into it, it'll come back to me again. But my point is we've all been given muscles. You do what you want with yours and I'll do what I want with mine. What I want with mine is to work out again. It makes me feel better about being me. And so that's what I'll do. The main thing is, how, how do you feel about being you? If you're No, but if you're happy, you need to be happy being you. I know you're too fat, you're too thin, you're too tall, you're too short, you're too this, you're too that. Don't, don't do that to yourself. Don't do that to yourself. He, no, he made us all. 
he made us all different. He don't know. I don't like you because you're not a size one. No, that's see, but that's being conformed to this world. That's buying what they're selling you. They're selling you this so that you've got to have this perfect physique and you've got to this and that and the other thing. And and it's just not true. It's not true. The the real you is on the inside, and that's where God looks. And he said, I made you perfect. I made you just the way I love you. So lighten up, people. <laughs> now, whenever you look, but think about it, whenever you look at yourself with a critical eye, it's a critical eye. Like, okay, if you want to go work out, go work out, but don't be driven to it. Don't be driven into doing anything. Make sure you're driving the car. Amen. You're being led by the Holy Ghost. When you're being led by the Holy Ghost, you're led by peace. Do, do we make changes and adjustments in our life? Yeah, constantly. Apollo 13 went to the moon, and they had course corrections every 10 minutes from the time they launched and broke, broke Earth's atmosphere. Every 10 minutes, they had to recalibrate this unit. And then, and then they had a 500-mile target, and they hit the edge of it. They almost missed the target, even changing correction every 10 minutes. And so you're making course corrections, but the Holy Ghost is with you, and you're going to hit the target. You're going to hit the target. And when you think about being changed from glory to glory into the image of his son, we're not ever, I got some news for you, we're not ever going to arrive. <laughs> no, enjoy the journey. That's what we're saying. Enjoy the journey. There's not... You're not ever going to come into church and say, I'd like to testify today. Yeah, I made it. <laughs> well, as soon as you say that, we know you didn't humble yourself. So <laughs> That's not the way it is. So what should I do, Lord, with this measure of faith? I was hoping you'd ask. Finally, in verse 6, you all know this verse. Probably very familiar with this verse. Where is Philemon? Is it that one page before you get to Hebrews? <laughs> now, Philemon, I encourage you to study the book of Philemon, too. It's one page, and it's about a runaway slave. It's a story about you. This guy ran away. This guy robbed his master and ran away and, and ended up in Rome spending all kinds of money. And he got caught and got thrown in jail with Paul the Apostle. <laughs> Of all the people you're going to end up in jail with, make sure it's Paul the Apostle. And so Paul got him born again, got him cleaned up, and sent him back home. And he said, he said, this guy was once your slave, but I want you to receive him now as a son. So again, that's, that's who you and I are. We were running away. Like, I don't know about you, but in my mind's eye, in my mind, I knew there was a God from the time I was little. But I thought, I thought, Paul, if he ever finds me, you know, no, no, I need to stay away from this God because cause, cause if he sees me, he'll kill me. That was that's how I thought. And so I'm just like Philemon. I was running away from the one that was trying to apprehend me. It's kind of like when you read about Mephibosheth in Second Samuel chapter 4 and in chapter 9. Mephibosheth was dropped and in, in crippled in chapter 4 because he was running away from David, because he thought when David became the king, 
that they, th- th- back in those days, when somebody became a king, they killed all the heirs from the other guy. <laughs> it's like, and so, so Mephibosheth took off running with his nurse, and, and uh, he thought, he thought, surely if he ever finds me, I'm dead. But you know what? You read uh, chapter 9, and it says that David said, he said unto Ziba, is there anybody from the house of Jonathan that I might show Hesed, loving kindness, kindness too? In other words, he was looking to continue the blessing. So here's this guy, Mephibosheth, living with Maker in a place called Lodabar. Oh, Lord, stuck in Lodi again. He's over in Lodi. He's not doing good. And, uh, but he's hiding in the desert. And Maker means salesman, and he was a lousy salesman or he wouldn't have been living in the desert, right? And so, and so here's this guy hiding, and then all of a sudden he sees the military troops coming to get him, and he's thinking, oh, I'm done for now. I hid, for, hid here for years, but now they're going to wipe me out. And when he got there, he, he said, David said, come on in and sit at the king's table. Huh? Come on in and sit at the king's table. He said, who am I that you would look on such a dead dog as me? David ignored it. David will ignore you. God will ignore you too when you're dumping on yourself. When you're putting yourself down, you're putting him down. You're saying, I don't like the way you made me. Don't get don't get there. Okay, but anyway, and finally in verse 6, it says this, that the communication of your faith. In other words, the conversation of your faith might become effective by, look at this, by the acknowledging of every bad thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. What's it say? Your faith becomes effective when you acknowledge every good thing that is in you in Christ. It's like Pastor Paul taught on Thursday night. The same spirit, we have having the same spirit, we also speak. We also speak. We believe and we speak. And so what he's saying here, he's saying that your communication of your faith may become effective by the acknowledging. So what am I supposed to be talking about? Every good thing that is in me in Christ. What's everything good thing that's in me in Christ? Christ in me, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. He's in me now. And I'm living by his obedience not by mine. Now, his obedience prompts my obedience. Philippians uh, Philippians 2 says, uh, well, let's go there. We're almost done. Amen. Oh, how do you get into chapter 2 of Philippians and not read, even when you read verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be with God. I'm an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus. But I need to do the next verse. I make myself of no reputation that took on the form of a servant, being made in the likeness of men, being found in the fashion of men, I humble myself and become obedient to the death of the cross. What is that? That's Corinthians 2.20, or or Galatians 2.20. He made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we'd be made the righteousness of God in him. That's the wrong verse, isn't it? What's the right verse? Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life that I now live in the flesh, 
I live by faith in the Son of God who gave his life for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness came by me keeping the law, then Christ died for nothing. Amen. But now let's read on in Philippians 2. Verse 12 says, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my absence, not as in my presence only, but now more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Verse 13, for it is God that does the work, both to will and to do his, his good pleasure. So, so if it's him doing the work, then what am I doing? I'm yielding to him. I'm yielding the right of way to him. I'm submitting my body unto him, a living sacrifice. All acceptable unto him is my reasonable service. Um, so, um, metamorpho, 12.2, means to change into another form. And with that in mind, I want to look at one verse, I think, in Genesis chapter 49. Genesis 49 is when he's, when Jacob is talking to all of his sons. And Jacob called, verse 49 and verse 1, Jacob called all of his sons and said, Gather yourselves together that you may, that he, I may tell you what shall befall you in the latter days. Gather yourselves together and hear, you sons of Jacob, and hearken unto Israel, your father. Reuben, you're my firstborn, my might, the beginning of my strength, excellency and dignity and excellency and power. But verse 4, but you're unstable as water. So when he's talking not to be conformed to this world, but transformed, he's talking about you being stable. And what is it about water? What it is about water is like it'll, it'll take any shape that you pour it into. You pour it into a square, it'll be square. You pour it into round, it'll be round. It'll, it'll freeze up if you put it in a freezer. It takes on, it adapts to every situation. And that's why he's saying, don't let the church be like the world. You don't have to fit into their scheme of things. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.